Hey, Jen, want to do a live Q&A in front of a live retreat audience, including Jay Parker? Uh, maybe. to the Intimate Covenant Podcast, where we believe the Bible and great married sex both belong on your kitchen table. That's right, we're talking about holy, covenant-bound, intimate relationships with hot sex. We're Matt and Jen, founders of Intimate Covenant. We offer biblical teaching and resources to help married couples achieve a fuller relationship and an extraordinary sex life. For more information, visit our website, intimatecovenant.com. Welcome, friends. Welcome. Welcome. Here we are at live at the 2022 Intimate Covenant Marriage Retreat. We could not be happier to be here and could not be happier to be sharing this with a room full of extraordinary lovers. We We have had an amazing weekend with all of these couples, and it's a little bit a little bit out of our comfort zone to be recording a podcast with lots of eyeballs looking yes, at us, not the norm. Not, not how it usually happens. If you knew how we were dressed when we usually uh, recorded, you might not want to be there. <laughs> so, uh, But we are thrilled to have this audience, and we are also thrilled to have with us uh, Jay and Julie Parker. Uh, Julie Parker, of course, is the creator of Hot Holy Humorous, so thank you for joining us this weekend and joining us for this roundtable Q&A. Thanks for having us. This has been great. So this is typically the time when we jump in and do our Q&A session. We've provided our audience with the opportunity to submit questions anonymously. Um, and we have a whole plethora of questions that we're going to try to get through as many as we can. And we'll, uh, we'll go through. And, and I'm curious to see how Jen's going to respond always. <laughs> but we're also curious to see how Julie's going to respond to some of these questions. So Yeah. Uh, Jen is mostly just excited that there's somebody else to help answer the questions <laughs> That's right. Today. So uh, let's, just, let's just kick off. So the audience had the opportunity to upvote these questions that were going to be answered. Um, And so the most popular one, I guess I shouldn't be surprised that this is the most popular question, but uh, the question reads, how do women have multiple orgasms? I have no idea. (laughs) I have friends that are capable to do so easily, even in unhealthy marriages. Is it a physical or mental ability? That's a great question. I, I like the fact that the question is uh, how the question ends, that is it a physical or mental ability? Sure. Because I think that's maybe where this probably boils down to in some way. But right. I am not an expert, so I'm going <laughs> to at least defer initially to the women in the audience and, or the women in the, on the panel and see what, what do you guys think. <laughs> Jen now looks Jen, to you. Jen looks to me. Okay, that's fine. Um, Is it physical or mental? And the answer is yes. Yes. To both. Uh, I would say this, uh, multiple orgasms, first of all, they're a nice thing to have. But I also don't want anyone feeling like, oh my gosh, I've got this FOMO, this fear of missing out if I'm not having, you know, a whole bunch of orgasms during a sexual encounter. So they are a great uh, finish to a sexual encounter, but right. as 
Matt and Jen say often, connection is the most important thing. I would say where the emotional part really is important is feeling safe enough to be completely vulnerable and to totally let go. Because I think that's a big part of being able to reach there is just sort of to soak in the moment and to let the pleasure continue even past there's maybe a slight discomfort before you get to the next. Right. And I think the thing to recognize is that it is easy for some women. And for other women, it's something that can be learned. And still for others, they report, even with trying all the tricks, it's just not something that happens for them. I I will tell you that if it's something that you're focusing on, your chances of it getting to that point is even less. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because an overemphasis on orgasms as a whole, it can be very damaging. you know, so so keep in mind, it's not that you're doing something wrong if this is your story. Um, but I can appreciate that there might be, you know, the desire to keep experiencing that pleasure with your beloved. And so um, there are definitely some things that have been reported as helping for certain women. Now, that said, if you do much digging, someone will say this will help. Someone will say something completely opposite that helps. So what works? Well... What works for you is what works. Um, some women report that getting to the first orgasm quickly helps then give time to build to the second orgasm. So as quickly as you can get to that point of climax, just let that go. Don't hold back. And then from there, potentially be able to build past that for the second um, or third or whatever orgasm. Um, other women say you know, that a lot of times it's maintaining the exact same stimulation, like even past the point of orgasm. But other women say that complete, feels completely wrong and horrible. So reality is it's something that you, you've got to be willing to kind of try and figure this out yourself. But like Julie's saying, don't let this be something that y- you think I'm missing it. I'm less than. Um, great if it happens for your friends. Hooray for them. But also great for you that you are having connection with your beloved. Do not minimize the connection you're having just because it doesn't look the exact same as somebody else. Yeah, I know this is unhelpful for podcast audience, but if you were to draw what a line of what it looks like for different women to have multiple orgasms, some they would peak up and they would just go a straight line there and they would just kind of be having almost like a long orgasm. Other women would peak and then go down and stay down for a while and then come back up. Others might kind of be a jagged line. So it doesn't all look the same. But I would also say this, I would far rather have uh, this question involved that some women can still have it in unhealthy marriages. And I would far Mm. rather have, you know, no multiple orgasms, but a healthy marriage with a healthy sex life and all that connection. Absolutely. It, it feels physically good, but it's not the best thing about sex. Absolutely. So if, if you're in a healthy marriage, just celebrate that. 100%. Great. Thank you, ladies, for filling that, filling us in. Um, next question is, scheduled sex sounds like a great idea. What are suggestions for actually making it happen? How do you keep it from from becoming routine or just another to-do list item? 
And this comes from the advice that we frequently give that it is helpful to schedule sex. It is helpful for both the pursuer and the responder to know that that sex is routinely going to be happening. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're scheduling sex but you're not following through with that, I'd have to ask the question why? What is it that is preventing you from following through? Who's not following through? Is it one of you? Is it both of you? Is it just not that important so that I mean, we schedule it, but it's kind of like we schedule other things that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get there if we get there, but it's not that important to us. It, things will happen on your schedule that you make a priority, mm-hmm. right? If it's important to you to be to work on time, you're going to make that happen. If it's important to you to go to church on Sunday, you're going to make it happen, and you're going to make preparation for that way before Sunday morning. And, and I think part of what makes it easier to happen is when it becomes a habit. When you know, you know, if if you have no question in your mind where you're going to be on Sunday morning, then you don't spend Sunday morning going, "Eh, I don't know, how are you feeling? What are we going to do? You know, same thing with going to work on Monday morning. So so a big part of it is, like you're saying, just making this, making an effort to make sure that there is priority placed upon this. Yeah, I will say we don't, um, we've never really scheduled sex in terms of a specific day of the week, but we tend to do more scheduling of like maybe in the morning saying, hey, how about tonight or tomorrow or something like that? And that's also scheduling. So you can have a consistent date or you can have a, you know, just kind of planning ahead is part of scheduling as well. And I also think that the, the more you work on your sex life, or maybe work's not the right word, put an effort into your sex life mm-hmm. and build something really beautiful, the more you're going to want to do it. It's just like in the last couple of weeks, I had two things on my calendar. One was a dentist appointment and one was a <laughs> massage. Which one do you think I was happy to have scheduled? <laughs> So, you know, I, I, I think there's a line in, my, in one of my books where I basically say to, to women, you know, kind of think of sex as like a spa day for your lady parts. And <laughs> I think that answered the first question. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you, as you build this, it's something you're going to want to look forward to, just like you used to look forward to having a date with each other, and I hope you still do. And you put that on the calendar and you look forward to it, you build toward it. Absolutely, and I would say the other thing that, the other part of this question is how do you keep it from becoming routine or just another to-do list item? Well, you've heard me say this before, but don't schedule boring sex. (laughs) That's not what we said. Schedule sex that's extraordinary, right? Schedule something that actually is meaningful. Put that, but that means, like they're saying, you have to put effort in, into it. You have to plan for it. So again, whether it's every Tuesday night or whether it's, hey, let's schedule something. Let's make this happen this weekend. Let's do something that's extraordinary this weekend. Now you've scheduled something, but it's not boring. It doesn't have to be boring. Just like there's this fairy tale that the best sex is just spontaneous. Well, how's that working for you? When did it ever happen spontaneously? It doesn't happen spontaneously. Just like a date night doesn't happen spontaneously, 
You had to plan. You had to make the reservations. You had to get dressed up. You had to get a babysitter. You put effort into planning it, and then the magical things can happen as a result of your intentionality and efforts. Sometimes you can also let your children schedule it for you. <laughs> That's right. Exactly right. Like, you know, they, they have a particular game or a particular outing that they go on routinely that you're not necessarily part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great opportunity. Yeah. Um, when they're really young and you schedule a routine with a babysitter, well, now you've got a routine set. And now you can start doing the planting of the seeds during the week until that day occurs. Yeah. So that when that day occurs, you and your spouse have already been planting those little seeds of, oh, I cannot wait. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Know, yeah. Little dance rehearsal or whatever yeah. becomes yeah. A whole, has a whole other to meaning. To kind of, you know, get the, uh, get the hot water flowing. So that uh, when the good times come, you're ready to rock and roll. And we're sitting here with a bunch of couples, and y'all can help each other schedule too, because I have yeah. often said that the best thing that, that our church, when our kids were little, the best thing our church did for our sex life is they hosted a babysitting co op. Hmm. And so there were times where we got to drop our kids off and just go back home. <laughs> That's great. Yes, yeah, soccer practice takes on a whole other meaning of playing ball. <laughs> In addition to praying together, what other ways do you suggest fostering spiritual intimacy? Well, I think... Praying together is crucially important to fostering spiritual intimacy. It is one really important way that we share our spiritual journey together. And that's what intimacy is about, right? It's about sharing. It's about knowing and being known. Uh, but but prayer, prayer is not the only way. Right. Uh, I think sharing your spiritual journey with your spouse is what's crucial. Part of that is through prayer, but there are so many other ways to do that. I think, you know, we often limit our spiritual lives to going to church together, maybe reading Bible together. So let's find the perfect couple's devotional and make sure that we pray together. But your spiritual intimacy is so much bigger than that. And you've got to see the importance of sharing deeply with one another your spiritual journeys. And that means having conversations like, what sin am I struggling with this week that I need you praying for me? And I also need you to help hold me accountable. You've got to be willing to get really vulnerable with one another. That is a part of your spiritual intimacy, knowing one another and holding each other accountable and being willing to listen to the hard stuff that your spouse might need to, to, to tell and share. Yeah, I know for Julie and I, one of the things that's really helped us is um, to actually be teachers at our church mm-hmm. on a semester or whatever and putting a course load together. It forces us, for instance, we did an early gen- Genesis section. So it forces us to read the Bible together and then mm-hmm. plan what we're going to present. And then you got to organize it, make sure it all flows. And along the way, we start asking each other questions about what does this scripture mean or what does that, you know, how do you properly interpret that scripture? And we end up getting to know each other and God better as we start sharing in those discussions and developing that curriculum that we then get to present to the class 
which is a whole nother challenge. <laughs> yes. Right, but right. It, but, it, but it really makes you grow intimately and spiritually, both with each other and with God. And, and it doesn't have to be teaching. That's, that may not be your spiritual gift. Maybe it's some other service together. But, you know, find a way to serve together. Mm-hmm. And then you'll start discussing that as part of your faith. Absolutely. Yeah, a- yeah. absolutely. Good, good thoughts. Great thoughts. What are your thoughts on discreet sex in public? Sinful? Irreverent? I love how many people voted this question up. <laughs> I'm going to be afraid to walk around here afterwards. <laughs> um, I, sinful? I mean, I don't know. I guess technically in some ways you might be breaking the law if you're having sex in public. So... Is that illegal in the certain jurisdiction where you're at? I, I have no idea. Um, it certainly would not look good for you or the people that you influence if you were arrested for <laughs> something like this. So is it wise? I mean, again, depends. Also, maybe it depends on how discreet you plan to be. Um, well, you, and it you, also depends on how you define sex. Mm. So what exactly are you talking about? Because there are certain things you can do together as a couple that no one will know what you're doing. Um, So obviously that would play a part in it. Yes, but if you're both, you know, fully naked, having intercourse on the lawn, that's that's different. Yeah, if that's what you're doing, I'm not moving into your neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) The HOA is definitely going to get called about that. (laughs) That's right. Um, so, I mean, I'm not sure I could give you a book, chapter, and verse about whether it's sinful or not, but you certainly want to be wise about it. Now, it, there's, there's definitely some things you could do that would be very fun. And there is a certain level of arousal that comes with pushing the limits and getting, you know, the excitement and the adrenaline of maybe getting caught, even if it's not even realistic that you would get caught, but there's this idea that you could get caught. That's... I, I certainly, I mean, some of, some of us can definitely relate to that appeal. Others of you, that is terrifying. frightening and terrifying. It shuts down and, all routes to arousal. Yes, exactly. so, so good luck in your couple there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, oh, I'm really scared what you're going to say. <laughs> as well as she should be. <laughs> We've but, never been arrested. <laughs> Speak for yourself. No, we've, we've, never been, we've never been in a situation where we wouldn't have been arrested. That came out wrong. <laughs> Do you remember that time? In- no, just <laughs> You know, the word that I focused on, well, I focused on several words here, but the first word that I focused on was in the question was public. What does in public mean? Because hmm. if you're out in the wilderness, is that really public? Right. Um, the second one was discreet. You know, is discreet like kissing Julie on the cheek, mm-hmm. or is well, it should you know, be actual. I mean, it's actual sex. So, so you know, how discreet are you? Mm-hmm. And um, right, yeah, I kind of wondered what that what that looked like. Right. I do have this idea that if if you're in a situation where someone else could see you and be made very uncomfortable, that's not fair to them. True. 
Um, That it needs to be your private sex life. So if you are going to do something in public, like he said, you know, a wilderness situation or something, that's kind of that's kind of different, you know. Um, And there may be some ways to do something that apparently a, a lot of Canadians? That's right. <laughs> one, of the, one of the statistics had to do with Canadians and canoes. What was it, 8%? 8%, 8%, 8% of Canadians. Canadians had made love in a canoe. <laughs> so, so there you go. Maybe we need to ask the Canadians yeah. how they're doing that yeah. discreetly. Hopefully they're like below the canoe line. Below the waterline? Yeah. So, <laughs> what I guess, you know, going, going to it from a little bit more from a scriptural perspective, you know, in Genesis it says, and then the two became one. It's not, and then the multitude became one. It's, <laughs> and the two became one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do I want to say it's sinful? I don't, I don't know that that's really what it's about. It's about respecting the relationship and respecting yeah. not just each other, but also respecting the community of people with whom you uh, share this life here on earth. Very and, good. you know, to be respectful, you ought to you know, honor your spouse and honor your community Mm-hmm. By being discreet, and discreet probably doesn't mean the word public in the way it was asked here. Perhaps. Thank you. I, I thought you were just arm candy. <laughs> Thank you. Get, you're gonna. It drips down to the toes. <laughs> People are gonna ask for you to come on more podcasts with me. Yeah. You're gonna take my time, Uh-oh. my bike time. Are bad words in the bedroom wrong? Sometimes they just come out, and I never use them in any other scenario. It only happens when things are hot and heavy. Bad words. I guess kind of depends on what you mean by bad words and what makes a bad word bad. Um, and I think maybe even going back to the last question, some of that just depends on the context. Who are you offending? Um, if you're if there's no one else to offend except you and your spouse and your spouse is not offended, then maybe it's not bad. If your spouse takes offense, it's probably not good for you or your spouse. Right. Uh, so I scenario, think right? I would first encourage whoever asked this question to make sure that you've asked your spouse this question. How does your spouse feel? And that's a big conversation that, that you need to be having of what is it that we can and should be saying to one another? Um, you know, communication through a sexual experience can be great. It can be a way to tap into desire and arousal, and it's just bringing in another sensation, right? That auditory of hearing each other say things that can be very arousing. But make sure you know what is arousing to your spouse. Um, so have enough self-control yourself to make sure that what you are doing is for the benefit of your spouse. And that goes for your entire sexual you know, experience together. It always should be that you're doing what you're doing for the benefit of your spouse. Yeah, I don't think I could say this is wrong per se. I mean, it's words are sounds that we've come up with that have a meaning and they have both the denotative meaning which is the definition but there's also the connotative meaning the connotation that which is all the feelings we attach to that word and people have different feelings attached to different words even if they have the you know it's the same word same definition but i also really think a lot about song of songs and how those two lovers talk to each other yeah and just so much honor and 
and just affection in how they speak about and to one another. And I think that does kind of set a standard that we want to make sure we're kind of aiming toward. 100%. I think that 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 is how we should emulate and how we relate to one another. How we talk about sex in general, even in how we talk about sex with other people, but especially how we talk to each other, even in a sexual way, that it ought to be done with honor and respect and affection. Uh, and so that, that's the tone, I think, that, uh, that, that it boils down to. This also, I think, touches on this notion of dirty talk. And I hate that phrase. Because dirty, there's nothing dirty about talking in a sexual way with your spouse. It's not immoral. Talk to your spouse in a, in a sexual way, in a way that arouses both of you, in a way that honors both of you. Do it all the time, but stop calling it dirty. It's not dirty. It's beautiful and holy and right. Okay, I'm preaching again. I'm sorry. Yeah, another, way to, another way to look at it is... Um, we don't really know what bad words are. And I would say, don't focus on the words themselves, focus on the meaning. And the meaning comes from the heart. What is it that your heart is conveying? Are you conveying passion because of the heat of the moment and you're thrilled to be there? That's probably not a bad word, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So what is the meaning that you're conveying and is your partner understanding the intended message? If they are, it's all good. Right. You know, yeah, celebrate. Absolutely. Right. That's all we have time for. Uh, I wish we could go on for another two or three hours. This is a lot of fun. Thank you. Is it? It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it is a lot of fun. Thank you, J&J, for um, helping us out and getting us through this. And I know Jen is appreciative. I'm, I'm also appreciative. We appreciate absolutely. This has that. been an honor to have you join us. Thank well, you so thank much. Thank you. It's been great. Jake, t- yeah. tell everyone, how can they find you Elsewhere. Okay, so it's pretty easy to find me because it's just hotholyhumorous.com. And there people can find out about uh, the podcast that I'm involved with, with mm-hmm. four wives and one for husbands. And then also, if there's a higher desire wife out there, I have a community for that. And I got books, I got a blog. I don't know. I'm just got stuff. She's got a lot of great stuff. And, 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 and you we all personally, need that. yeah, we personally can recommend it all. So we right. would encourage all of our uh, audience to, uh, yes. to take advantage of, of her resources. Yes. If you're, if you listen to our podcast, you should also be downloading and listening to her podcast. They're really good. Thank yeah. you. I thank love you. y'all's. Oh, thank you. Th- <laughs> thank you all for your continued support until next time. Keep striving and don't settle. Thank you for listening. If you have something to add, we would invite your feedback, questions, and suggestions via our email, podcast at intimatecovenant.com. To submit anonymous questions and feedback, visit our website, intimatecovenant.com backslash podcast. Click on the button, contact the podcast for an anonymous submission form. In addition to this podcast, Intimate Covenant offers group Bible studies, private couples coaching, premarital counseling, weekend seminars, and an annual marriage retreat. We would love to continue the conversation about God's plan for intimate marriage and holy sexuality with you and your friends. If you're interested in bringing us to your church or small group, please contact us, podcast at intimatecovenant.com. May God continue to bless your marriage.